Welcome to Prima's 2017 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education and Training at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Chris Wise will discuss fundamentals of strategic physical security planning. Chris has over three decades of global, regional, and statewide emergency planning, risk assessment implementation, overall site design, and cultural training. He has worked with government, education, and facilities vertical markets. Chris's experience has effectively allowed him to understand the sensitive nature and approach associated with physical security and organizations that are not culturally ready to implement change for fear of employer or government oversight. Chris has wide-ranging experience in budget creation and analysis for implementation and has presented extensively to executive boards, CEOs, CSOs, and CFOs. Chris has served on several advisory committees from national manufacturers to strategic emergency planning organizations. We will also be joined by Taekwon Gilbert, a member of Prima's education and training team. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Why is it so important for organizations to have a security plan? The utilization and implementation of a security plan, uh, believe it or not, is adopted and employed every day in most environments that we find ourselves in. And that ranges from our home to our schools to our business environments. And the implementation that is used, and we see it oftentimes, is a door lock, a brass key. We see lights in parking lots. Oftentimes, we say burglar alarm uh, in our respective businesses. But the thought process associated with the implementation of these standards and these plans, if you will, is that connotation associated with the individual with the black mask on that is going to break in and steal something from our business. And that's obviously one component associated with the implementation of a plan. A security plan, and the importance of a security plan is it really addresses the individual stakeholders of a business environment. And what I mean by stakeholders? An individual stakeholder could be a customer, an owner, a manager, an employee, or a shareholder in a corporate environment. In order to address each of their respective uh, stakeholders' shares, we need to ensure that we understand any risk that could potentially devalue or not allow that respective business to provide the service or good that it is, um, it's been trusted to do so. So a security plan and the importance of that security plan allows us to ensure to our stakeholders that we have taken into consideration what, where, and how we implement processes, standards, include budgets associated with that, and certainly the ability to report back to these stakeholders on a quarterly semi-annual, monthly, weekly basis on where that uh, corporate environment stands to its security plan to address risk and mitigate that risk. So quite important, and, and whether individuals that have that responsibility or not understand it, we all employ a, a plan of a certain measure. What is the difference between a security plan and a crisis management plan? It, it really addresses a component that we oftentimes refer to as a security playbook that is a small piece of an overall emergency response plan or crisis management plan. A crisis management plan is composed of many playbooks to include response to fire, tornado or inclement weather, active shooter, 
what happens if there's a crisis, uh, loss of power. A security plan outlines the individual areas of a particular facility and costs relative to just that area so that we have the ability to understand what physical risk, and again, we're talking about physical security, not cyber security, what physical risks are that could potentially be enveloped in that environment. And so when we write a security plan, we're writing that plan to protect who can go where and when and the ability to report on it. And there are many measures by which that occurs and that happens. A crisis management plan is a component that is overshadowed by a business impact analysis. Now, a business impact analysis statement takes a very broad look at a business, a school, any location to determine who the stakeholders are, what its deliverable services are, and the overall impact as it relates to the functionality of that business. And it has uh, the overall high impact, low probability statements associated with each one of those areas. And an individual plan is written in conjunction uh, with that overall crisis management plan. So it's very specific and each area of these playbooks are very specific. Uh, so we could have multiple budgets that fall within that crisis management plan to support our business impact analysis that we would report back to the stakeholders. Uh, but the security plan is really, uh, it, it's designed to reduce and mitigate risk and threat to our environment. Where does a risk assessment fit into the security planning timeline? A risk assessment is the, is the global view of where we are, where we intend to go, and how we intend to get there. There's really no way, if I were to ask you to travel to San Diego, I doubt very seriously that you would hop in your car, jump on a plane, and just take off without any foresight or consideration into cost considerations, where you would stay when you get there, what is the purpose of your trip, and how to appropriately accommodate your needs during your travels. Well, a security plan is exactly the same way. But in order for us to write a plan, we have to have an assessment of what are our risks, what does that include, and what plans or what standards am I going to write to address each one of those? So the risk assessment as it relates to the security timeline would be uh, happening at the very beginning. We would provide or recommend that a security assessment be conducted, whether it's internal or external, and it could be as simple as interviews with respective stakeholders, so include employees, owners. It could be as simple as verifying and validating exterior lighting. Do we have any lights that are out? Are all doors functioning properly? Are our gates and barrier arms or fences all intact? If we do have guard services, why, what, when, where, and how are they employed? So those assessments give us a standpoint and validation point that include data to make the determination as to if, why, when, and how dollars are spent to enhance or to reduce our risk for a given environment. So absolutely risk assessments would be conducted at the very uh, beginning of a security timeline. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here are some words from Prima's Member Services Manager, Danica Williams, regarding Prima membership benefits. Prima is a membership organization dedicated to advancing the knowledge and practice of risk management in the public sector. Prima members come from a diverse range of disciplines, entity types, sizes, and share a variety of titles, including risk manager, human resources professional, workers' compensation coordinator, employee benefits coordinator, claims administrator, safety personnel, risk pool administrator, just to name a few. 
Despite their titles, there is one resounding theme among these individuals, and that is that they manage risks within their entity and importantly, risks affecting the public interest. Prima members enjoy a robust array of educational programming, risk management resources, and networking opportunities. Some of Prima's member benefits include access to blogs, podcasts, webinars, Prima's Job Bank, Prima's online community where members have the ability to connect, share, and solicit information directly from their colleagues, Prima's library of risk management documents, Prima's flagship publication, the Public Risk Magazine, and member discounts to all Prima events and training. Becoming a Prima member is one of the most worthwhile career investments a risk management practitioner can make, not just for themselves, but for their entire entity. To learn more about Prima member resources, visit primacentral.org. Now back to Chris and Taekwon. What does a risk assessment involve and who performs this task? Risk assessments can be very, very broad in nature. They can certainly be very definitive based, based on the specifics of a given environment. A security assessment, uh, a risk assessment, uh, really involves site overall observation of construction of buildings, which way the door swing in or out. If it is specific to a school, what, where, and how is the pickup drop-off line included? We do ambient light readings. Uh, the assessment should also include interviews from respective staff members from each department to gain a better understanding of what level of understanding there is in response to any security uh, deficiencies that may be on campus, and it also alerts the assessment officer of any specific concerns that have occurred on campus. An assessment would also have the opportunity to evaluate all electronic components. Are there cameras? Is there a mass notification system? Is there an access control system? And if so, how are these individual platforms managed? It's not uncommon to see security assessments produce findings to include key systems that have been employed for many years with no knowledge of who, whom has a key, how long they've been out, or if the course have been changed within the last five to 10 years. So there's a false sense of security associated with even locks on doors, badges for access control systems, how many active badges are in the system versus how many actual people should have access to the facility. Is the camera system actually recording? And if so, do we use that information in a dynamic presentation to let me know real time what's happening in and around my facility? Or are we only dependent upon that hardware platform to provide me forensic information after the fact? All of that information is really important and is included in the risk assessment. It should be provided in a profile with very specific data that gives the stakeholders exactly what we're looking for. To make a statement from a facilities manager's perspective, who oftentimes is just given the additional responsibility of managing the security of a building, in addition to HVAC, in addition to lighting, in addition to parking, there's really no real training that goes into that. And so the information that is needed to go back to the stakeholders, the owners, the managers to say, we need a camera system, we need fencing, we need additional lighting, based on what? Oftentimes that's a response given in a reactive environment. There had been a situation in a given area of our facility that we think we need cameras based on a stolen laptop, based on workplace violence, based on some incident that has occurred, but there's really 
few times in corporate commercial school environments where we proactively see uh, how we can design a system to provide accurate enough data to support our financial request of implementation. So if we were to go into a school environment and the question be raised to a board, we think we need a visitor management system and it's going to cost X number of dollars. The justification and substantiation for that dollar amount should be based firmly on collected data, statistical value, and the ability to present that in an environment where everybody, all stakeholders would agree. The same thing with cameras, the same thing with access control. To simply put technology into any environment and make a gross or overall statement that we are secure now without the findings of a risk assessment to accommodate and complement any emergency plans, crisis management plans, uh, it would, would be, uh, in my opinion, risky at best or devalue the expense that has gone through. Certainly, uh, and, and to take that one step further, what systems and how they're employed to that assessment really without prior knowledge of how to make that happen could be a gross spend without, without a good return on investment. So, you know, that's really, you know, what, what the risk assessment is. Now, who does the risk assessment uh, is really out for debate by and large in, in the time frame that we're in, in the time that we're in today. Now, we often find, and I uh, have worked with a lot of tactical guys that are very, very, very good at security design and implementation to include fences, barriers, bollards, lighting, uh, and so forth. The engineering associated with mass notification, the implementation of cameras, access control, and the integration of those platforms, as well as the overall data to support what the area crime statistics look like and individual threats that perhaps uh, could encroach on that environment. All of those areas, in my opinion, are respectful into each profession. So previous law enforcement experience, a certified protection professional through the American Society of Industrial Security would have uh, exposure and relative experience in each one of these areas. The person or persons that is chosen to provide these risk assessments should be able to provide experience uh, within, those, within each one of those areas to provide you with sound, solid data. Uh, to provide back to the stakeholders. What do you think is an appropriate security budget for an organization, and what type of security technology would you recommend? You know, that, that is really a question that we are, uh, and, and that I have been asked in my, you know, three decades in this industry, uh, the very first question and the very first concern that is presented from potential uh, respective client base, how much is this going to cost? My response to that is always very similar in, in working with facilities managers, directors, uh, you know, across the globe. We often have the conversation. I've had the wonderful experience of sitting in, in meetings where the presentations are made to educate and allow facilities directors, CEOs, CFOs, CSOs, IT guys, the ability to understand how to budget for their largest asset. How do we create a profile that allows us to address and maintain and upgrade systems, if you will, throughout our company that we can continue to do what we do for a living. And when that question comes up, they use various types of systems. They use a, a prison type system and it's based on a percentage of the overall asset value in the budget line item for maintenance and so forth. So if you were to ask, and if I were to ask and have anyone listening to this podcast, what is your number, what is your largest asset? 
it wouldn't be uncommon for a response to be our cold water chillers, or it could be, um, you know, our fleet system, or it could be um, a whole host of things. And that, that largest asset comes to the mind, and the cost exposure associated with that uh, is on the forefront of everybody's mind. When, when I then ask the question, what is your number one asset, and where does your number one asset lie in your budget? Now, our number one asset is our people. It's our children. It is not a product or a tangible, depreciable asset within a building. It is our people. And when I ask that question, what is your number one asset, and the, the response always is our people, and then I ask, well, how do you accurately budget to protect your people? Because the thought process that we initiated this conversation with is traditionally associated with security plans and, and the implementation of processes and standards is to protect us from that bad guy that is going to break a window and steal a laptop. Well, that has shifted significantly, more so since 9-11 than any other time. And understanding the relevant perception of an active shooter shooting in this country every 7.33 days since Sandy Hooks, it is happening more and more frequently with workplace violence and so forth. So when the question is posed, what cost considerations or how much money should we budget for the implementation the appropriation and the continued reporting on a security system, well, it's, it's really, it depends on the actual environment. It depends on location. It depends on size of facility. It depends on any high risk assets or targets that may be within that environment. The protection of a, of a high profile uh, asset could be uh, the son, daughter, or person that is in the public eye at any given time. The protection of that person is far different than the layperson. The protection of an asset of intangible value could be research and development. So when we begin to look at location, what is the crimes against people, crimes against property report against a given specific location for external threats? We then look at the probability of internal threats and make the determination on statistical value of workplace violence, stress, job-related, marital problems, what that impact could look like and how we begin to protect against those types of risks. The implementation would depend largely on the size of the campus or the size of the building, the structure, the location. Now, the technology that we would employ, again, varies greatly because we understand fully that the ability to mitigate risk is in direct correlation with the culture's ability and willingness to accept change and implementation of security standards. It would be wonderful if we had all of our high-rise facilities downtown, all of our universities, all of our public and all of our private schools surrounded by razor wire, gun courts on it, and armed security guard personnel and staff at every movable entrance. Now, we all know on this call that the probability and the practicality of that type of standard is absolutely not going to happen given the culture that we base that on here in America. Understanding that we don't want to change the culture of a particular environment and put razor wire around a private school and metal detectors and go into a uh, commercial environment and do the same things because it's not Beirut will also impact the type of technology that we employ. It is very common in our environments today to allow our architectural firms to design beautiful buildings, beautiful campuses with aesthetics in mind. The aesthetic profile of a building to include color of doors, types of handles, even the way that a light fixture looks in a given environment, oftentimes overshadow. From the stakeholder's perspective, overshadow the basics of security implementation. 
So the ability, the cost structure, and the type of technology will vary greatly depending on the stakeholders for a given environment. And it is uh, definitely dependent on what and how that stakeholder perceives what their risks are. After they're educated, in my opinion, and working with the facilities that I've worked with for years and years, once the stakeholders are made aware of what their intrinsic risks are, what their vulnerabilities are associated with those risks, is they, as stakeholders, they as individuals, have to accept the responsibility of just how much weighted value they are prepared to put into their acceptance of those risks. So the determination of technology as it relates to aesthetics, the ability to employ security standards as it relates to their culture, and certainly their ability to maintain business continuity while balancing all of these concerns to mitigate risk on budget. All of those variances will affect and impact what and how that, that budget and technology looks like. So, the, the assessment, the plan, the risk mitigation as it relates to the playbook within the crisis management plan, the technology and the employment of that technology and certainly the cost considerations all touch on very, very large areas of to and topics of discussion, each of which we could, we could spend an hour to two hours on a podcast and address individually. So that, that is a lot of information in a very short period of time. but. Um, I hope that helps to address the specific areas. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, Chris and Taekwon. Please visit the Prima website to listen to other Prima podcasts, join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and to learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Enjoy the rest of your day.